Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Listen CG. Um, my name is Rich Arkinoff. I'm your superintendent, and I want to thank you so much for listening to us. This is a very difficult time, uh, this uh, time right now that we're in, and um, I didn't know that we would be talking so much to our guests today, but uh, this will be our second time talking with um, Mrs. Amy Norman, our uh, coordinator of health services. Amy, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing okay. Kind of getting used to, yeah. you know, this quarantined life as we are all uh, yes. experiencing. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a complicated time. It, it is a complicated time, you know, and, and so much is going on and, um, of course, you know, I wanted to kind of just talk with you a little bit today about some of the things that are going on and give um, our, our community and our staff, our students, uh, just kind of an update on, on what's happening, particularly in the health field front and as it relates to schools. And, you know, I know you've been doing a lot of work um, all kinds of ends, uh, but particularly, can you kind of share a little bit about uh, what you're doing with PPE? Uh, what does that uh, stand for? And then uh, donations in that regard? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, PPE is uh, personal protection equipment. Um, it's kind of become a rather popular topic in the news because uh, a lot of our hospitals, including the local hospitals that you know, our families in our community visit um, are running out of it. Um, there's concerns that the supplies are dwindling because uh, when you utilize PPE, particularly with a COVID-19 patient um, through this coronavirus that we're dealing with, um, generally speaking, you want to try to trade out all of your PPE um, each time you visit with them, which that's now not possible because there's just not enough to go around. Um, so one of the things that uh, I did was went around to our um, local clinics, all of our school clinics. Um, we have, you know, nine buildings, nine clinics. So um, we have inventory of PPE. So uh, gloves, um, a limited number of masks, because that's just not something we generally utilize. We, we have it on hand, uh, primarily for flu season in case, um, we have students coming in uh, to the clinic who are coughing a lot, things like that. So um, not quite as many masks as I would have uh, liked to have donated, but it is what it is. So, but we do have quite a few gloves, quite a few, you know, so quite a few masks. Um, I also reached out to, uh, well, I didn't reach out, but principals reached out to me that said that they had some teachers who had said that they had some items they thought in their classrooms uh, that might be beneficial as well, uh, particularly gloves. Um, uh, that came from the science departments, um, as well as um, masks from the industrial tech department at the high school. They actually had uh, a lot of masks there, um, which are not medical grade masks. But at the same time, at this point in time, we're looking for any kind of mask that we can give to the hospitals to help our, our um, healthcare workers out. So um, we were able to, to donate 906 masks. Um, 218 boxes of gloves, um, which each box contains 100 gloves. So that gives kind of perspective there. Um, as well as about, I, I dug around and found about eight um, canisters of wipes that, uh, like disinfecting wipes, like Clorox, Lysol wipes, that type of thing. Um, 
you know, for, from the nursing standpoint, we were actually preparing to put in for our inventory for next year. Um, when all of this came down that we were going to be closing school and things of that sort. So we haven't actually upped our supply loads. We've donated everything to uh, primarily three, um, Johnson Memorial Hospital, um, Eskenazi, and Community Health Network, um, particularly Community Hospital South. So Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great job. Great job. Thanks, Thanks for doing yeah. that. That's a lot. Well, it's nice to, to be able to find something that we do that's positive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and great work on that. You know, another thing that was happening too is uh, one of our teachers, Brent Scholes, is uh, using his 3D printers, um, our 3D printers at the schools to uh, produce parts for those masks that the, those shields that the um, um, healthcare workers are wearing. Um, I don't know if you've been a part of that or were you aware of that? I had heard about that. Um, he and I actually did talk a little bit about that when uh, he told me about the masks that he had available and he was looking for, he knew that he had a 3D printer and was trying to figure out um, what could he do with it. Um, and, and so I think it's fantastic mm -hmm. that they figured that out. I know in other parts of the, the world, um, you've seen some different aspects regarding 3D printers and um, not only the face shields, but like ventilator parts and things along that line. So it's fantastic that we're seeing that even on a local level, they've been able to find a way to utilize that technology to help out. That's great. You know, so many, um, so many good things are happening and, and people working together. So it's, um, it's, it's just great to, to uh, see that happening in our district. And, and thank you again for that. You know, um, a lot of people are wondering about, um, what is the school's responsibility when an employee or the spouse of an employee is diagnosed with COVID-19? What, what are we supposed to do as far as notifying okay. folks? Are we supposed to do that? Are we not? What's the process for that? So some of the processes, we take our guidance from the Johnson County Health Department. It's, it's a complicated realm. People want to know if there's people around them who have been diagnosed. However, their privacy is important, particularly we follow what's called FERPA, which is more of the education component, but it's very similar to some degree about as, as we would with HIPAA. So we, uh, we have families in our district who are, are dealing with this. There's, I think at last count, 144 cases in Johnson County. I think we would be foolish to think it's not touched families in our district. The, the thing is, is that it's not our responsibility to tell people that if, if it's a public health emergency, you know, for example, if we were currently in school and we found out that one of our staff members had contracted this coronavirus while they were, you know, and they were in contact with direct contact with students, then a communication would be handled in a certain way to not necessarily address who that staff member is, but to at least let people be aware of what's going on. However, with us not being in classes and in school at this point in time, we are really outside of those guidelines of when we would be notifying people based on information that we received from the Johnson County Health Department and things of that sort. But now that we are all under stay-at-home orders, we're all supposed to be social distancing. If a person has gotten this and they want you to know, they should tell you themselves. And, and generally, in regard to anything in regard to your health, it should be coming from the person if they want to tell you it's 
It's true. That's true. And a lot of times people just think that someone else has it and they may just have the flu or they may just have a, a different type of cold or whatever. And trying to keep rumors down for sure um, is important. Well, and that's some of it is the rumors can, the rumors are as dangerous as the virus itself. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I think, and, and in this time, you know, people want to know because it is something that you can't see, you know, it'd be different if um, you, you walked around and you had some big red thing on you that said, I have this stay away from me. You know, the fact yeah. that it's silent, you don't generally find out that you've had it until one to three days, potent, potentially even longer. There's lots of people who are asymptomatic, which is why we're trying to do this whole social distancing practice, social yeah. distancing yeah. practice. Yeah, that's, um, it's really, it's so much and it's very stressful for people. And, you know, when we talk about the social distancing, it makes me think of, you know, how things have progressed for us. We went to uh, social distancing, stay at home, all of that. People were going out and walking. And God bless everybody's trying to stay sane with exercising and, and doing different things. But now, uh, unfortunately, we got to shut down playgrounds and tennis courts and, and all of that. Working with the city to make sure that we kind of lock up those things and keep people off of them. Could you kind of explain why we got to keep people off of playground equipment and stuff like that? Absolutely. One of the things is that, you know, let's say I have the coronavirus and I go touch or crawl around on the playground or I cough on it. Or, I mean, they're even saying now there's some thought that maybe just even being in the presence of somebody talking with them. We're constantly just getting so much more information about this because it's just it's new. It's hard because it's new. We don't know enough. I could spread virus all over that playground. Somebody who's playing on the playground with me could then be picking that up the whole time. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's kids. Kids, particularly right now, kids want to see their friends. They want to hang out with them. Even the old, even high school kids trying to grasp this idea that my friend could have this and make me sick when they look healthy is complicated. It's a very complicated process. I don't even know that adults can necessarily understand exactly what we're talking about. But that's kind of what that process is. We're talking about the playground is you're all meeting at the playground and you're playing on stuff. Everybody could be healthy. And then three days later, somebody could come down with a fever. Mm -hmm. And then you maybe didn't even know who you were at the playground with. And now you got, you know, now we're trying to retrace to let those people know, hey, you, you may now have that and not even yeah. know it. And three days later, they could come down with a fever and then they've given mm -hmm. it to their family and their family's given it to that family. And yeah. I mean, that's how these things pass and, and move on. You know, like I said, it'd be so much easier when you sneezed, green slime went all over it and you knew not to touch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's the fact that you don't, you don't see this stuff. You, you, you right. don't recognize it. Even putting on a mask or putting on gloves and going and playing on the playground, it's it's not going to protect you from it because you're still going to wipe your face. You're still going to touch your face. You're still going to, even with a glove on, if you touch your face, right. you've just taken whatever was on the glove and put it into your body potentially. So it, it is hard. And I know the kids, it's nice outside. The kids want to get out. They want to play with their friends. They're desperate to see their friends. I know that a lot of our teachers have been doing um, before spring break, they were doing some Zoom meetings where their, their classmates could see one another, which has been fantastic. It's hard, especially if you see other people, particularly in neighborhoods, you'll see some 
families getting together. And, and, you know, I do think it's, you have to assume that other people around you are sick, Mm -hmm. which is a weird thought process. That's, that's not really how we're built. No, Um, no, we're not. And it feels kind of uh, a weird thing. It is because you don't want to be like looking at your neighbor, like, Ooh, stay away from me. (laughs) Who's somebody, Ah. you know, just three weeks ago, you'd walk up and give a hug to. Um, Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, it's really hard with my parents um, and with my in-laws you know they're they're struggling with that process they're struggling with not seeing their grandkids and not being able to hug right but at the same time my kids are like I don't want to be responsible right my mom's on an assisted living uh, facility and you know it's been really hard on her because uh, she's 91 but yet she still gets out quite a bit and travel she takes ubers and goes places but uh, unfortunately she's had to stay right in her place and not go anywhere and we can't come in to see her so it's been tough we've tried to do things like facetime with her but she's not too savvy on the technologies it's a a tough time for all of us and and, um, uh, amy i just want to thank you so much for joining us today oh absolutely anytime i'm happy to try to help any way that i can to try to give some sort of information through this whole process the information is changing daily i do think information is power in a time when you feel like there's nothing you can control trying to find those elements of things that you can control are really really important and right now is not going to the playgrounds making sure that if you go for a walk your social distancing keep that at least six feet between you and any other folks just be be cognizant of other people around you and um just try to keep yourself safe as well as keep in mind that you're really trying to keep other people safe too. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you, Amy. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to this edition of Listen CG. We are all together in this. Please stay healthy and social distance and stay home and we'll get through this together. So thank you much, CG, and have a great day.